I've been asked to teach on Ephesians chapter 6, but before you turn there, what I'd like you to do is turn with me before you get to chapter 6 to chapter 3, because I want to focus on something before we get into chapter 6. Because when we get into chapter 6, it's a time where Paul is drawing everything to a close of what has been said in the previous chapters, and he's probably at that time about five years in prison, and he's reminding everybody in that chapter 6 how to appropriate what they have in Christ by faith. And to apply that to their lives. But prior to that, notice what he said in chapter 3. And this is Paul's prayer when he said this beginning in verse 14. He said, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his Spirit in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and height. To know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask and think according to the power that works in us. To Him be glory in the church at Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Paul was praying for the church. Paul was praying that their eyes of their heart, they would be enlightened to the fact of the riches that they have attained and they would be strengthened in the inner man by the Holy Spirit of God. It was something that Paul had experienced in his own life. Something that now we can read in the pages of his letters that he has penned and see the legacy of a man who truly has a heart after God's heart. And but see, you'd realize and we'll see in a moment that Paul, he doesn't really consider himself to be the one that's achieved it. He realizes that it's Christ in him doing the work. He's just a surrendered vessel, a surrendered soul. But he prayed that the church would be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. And that they would reach, as it said in verse 19, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Now that great understanding that Paul had about the fullness of God in him and who he was. And as an apostle being used by God mightily. And many things that the Lord had done in and through his life. Was something that he could easily rest in. And be assured that it was the power of God doing the work in him. He wasn't striving in his own strength. Because he knew he was strengthened in the inner man. That inner man is a part of you that has been born again of the Holy Spirit. You have a physical, visible, and audible body. You have a soul, your mind, your emotion, your will. And you have a human spirit that's been filled with God's Holy Spirit. And that strengthening that takes place is a work that is mutual availability between you and God. You allowing God to do that work in you. 
and then discovering that the greatest weapon that you'll ever have in warfare as a spiritual man in the spiritual battle is not learning the things you need to say to the devil and how to ward him off. It's learning to live a life of submission and humility upon the Lord Jesus Christ. That will always be your biggest weapon of warfare. Now in Ephesians chapter 6, follow with me. I've been given the text of chapter 6 verses 10 through 18. I'm going to read it straight through and then we're going to come back to it. Paul drawing everything to a close here in chapter 6 verse 10. He says, finally my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Now, Paul is reminding the church, in this case, you and I, reminding us men of us being fully equipped. To live out the life that He has called us to live out. Well, there's things that we need to grow and understand as we mature. But the reality is, as men of God, there's one of two things that we are doing. And you are doing one of them. One of these two things. You are leading... As a man of God, or you're misleading. You could only be doing one of the two. You're either leading or you're misleading. Now, that's for something to take an examination of yourself and kind of grant and look at where you're at. What's your relationship with God? Are you leading as a man of God? Are you leading in your relationships at home? With your wife, with your children, with your family, with your friends? Or is it possible misleading? It's a personal challenge, I know. But the reality is to reach and be able to live out what Christ has called us to do is impossible unless we set ourselves apart and recognize in the eyes of our heart, without Him, I can do absolutely nothing. 
Now it's important for me to realize that. Because I look at my life and I take an examination and I want to lead as a man of God. I want to lead as a husband. I want to lead as a father. And there are many times that I don't. That I fall short. I know none of you guys do, but I'm just confessing right now. But that truth is that we all, in some measure or another, we do. But the Lord brings us back to the reality of who you and I are. And how we are to live in this relationship with Him. And the power of His might. That enables you and I to live out a life that for some of us seems totally impossible. Because of certain bondages that we are in today. Or certain head trips that are going on. Or maybe some trial you may be experiencing now at the moment. It almost seems impossible for you to be that leader And the devil could use that easily to throw a fiery dart at you and make you think, see, you're not leading, you're misleading. You're not even a Christian. Look at yourself. You might as well give up. And those things could sound so true from the devil's perspective. But from God's, He's made you holy. He sanctified you. He set you apart. And He's made you acceptable in His sight. And see, that's a reality that I put in the check for my heart. See, Paul, when he wrote to the church, and he was telling the church that they would put on this armor of God, he said this in verse 10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord, in the power of His might. Do you realize that when we've come to Christ, and I came to Christ, I came to Christ, and His divine power had given me all things pertaining to life and godliness, but it's through the knowledge of Him. See, I didn't give my life to Jesus. There's a lot of Christian verbiage that goes on. You can go to East L.A., talk to the homeboys out there, they have their own jargon. You know, you can go out to the valley and talk to people out there. They have their own jargon. You can go to Huntington Beach. The surfers have their own jargon. You can go into the church, and a lot of the church has its own jargon too. But I know my Bible and Jesus said, I've come to give life and life abundantly. And I know that when He came to give life, He was giving me His life. His life to come live in me, to live through me, through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that reminder is not me trying to live for Jesus. It's Him living His life in and through me. And the miracle of the Christian life is not how I'm going to live for God. It's how He's going to live through me. As I submitted, humble, depended upon Him. Because I recognize that without Him, I can do nothing. See, this armor that Paul is talking about here, and what he describes, it's very interesting when we look at the text. Because when he describes the armor, all pieces of the armor are attributes of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I remember a friend of mine, years ago, as a young Christian, he would read this text to me. And he tell me, every day you got to wake up, man. you got to put on your armor. 
get ready, get the salvation, helmet of salvation. He starts describing all the pieces, the way he'd put it on. And he had this whole routine. Because he was part of uh, the mighty men and his church. So the mighty men had to prepare and they would get before the congregation that show how to put on these pieces of armor every day. And I'd look at him and say, wow, you do that every day? And he said, yeah. I said, what do you do when you forget? What do you mean? He goes, what do you do when I forget? He goes, oh man, well then I'm in trouble. I said, what do you mean? He goes, because I've got to find some place that i got to go put it on. <laughs> Are you serious? And for some reason, that didn't ring well with me. I was like, but what do you mean? He says, that's what we have to do. And I looked at the text one time, and I came back, and I was confused. And I was reading, I looked at verse 10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord, in the power of His might. So I know my strength was going to come in the power of His might. When I read 2 Corinthians 12, 9, Paul, he asked the Lord to take the thorn away from his flesh and he responded to me. He said, my grace is sufficient for you for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And Paul said, well then I rather boast in my infirmities so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And I said, he's being weak. So, is there a key in being weak? But as a man, we're supposed to be strong. But see, in the spiritual realm, as Christian men, we're strong in His strength, not our own. We don't carry into our relationship with Jesus Christ a machismo. We carry into our relationship with Christ death, dying to ourselves. So that the excellence of the power of God may be of Him and not of us. Notice what He says. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Put on the armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now, to be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, He's sending all kinds of things towards us, to you and to I. We're experiencing lusts, temptations, struggles on a daily basis. But this armor of God that speak, that's spoken about here, this armor is Christ. It is Jesus. It's something that you and I have put on when we've come to Christ as Christians. See, what Paul was doing to the church and was trying to share with them, the church, is that these things that are the armor of God are attributes of the person of Christ. It's when we appropriate that reality, that truth of who we are as Christian men, that we experience the power, the strength of Christ, the love of Christ, the gentleness of Christ, the humility of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But I recognize that as I read through the text, that He was telling me to put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand Against the wiles of the devil. That stand. Be firm. Not moved away. But stand. Why? Because we're going to be in a battle. But I recognize something else. That when he describes the armor. They're all defensive pieces. Except for one. The word of God. It's a sword. 
It's an offensive peace. Notice this. For we wrestle against flesh. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. But against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand, withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Now, this whole armor of God, I looked at this and I said, is it something that I have to put on daily? Is it something that I have to uh, uh, spiritually or in a certain ceremony apply to myself? What is this? Is it something that if I forget in the morning to do, I'm in trouble like my friend had said? Is it something that is that I need to practice as a routine? Is this a ritual? And I began to read and I noticed this. That as we take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day having done all to stand. Stand therefore having girded your waist with truth. I remember Jesus saying that if you abide in my word you're truly my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. And I also remember him saying I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. But he says, Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. I remember that in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, Paul said this to the church, For he made him who knew no sin, To be sent for us. That we might become the righteousness of God in Him. And I began to see that Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the breastplate of righteousness. And having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And I remember in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 14 it said this. For He Himself is our peace. So not only is Jesus Christ the truth, our righteousness, He's our peace. And it began to make sense to Him. I'm like, wait a second. There's something about this armor. This armor is pointing me back to Jesus. This armor is pointing me back to somebody who I already have, who I already know. Notice, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith. And I remember as I did a study through Samuel, in Second Samuel chapter 22, verse 31, it says he's a shield to all of those who trust in him. Back to the Lord. He's my shield. And above all, Taking the shield of faith, which are able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation. There's no name given under heaven which all must be saved. Acts 4.12 He is our salvation. 
and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God and all things were made through Him. And without Him, nothing was made that was made. And I realized this offensive weapon, this Word of God, this that we hold in our hands, this is how I get to understand who my armor is. My armor is Christ. My armor is Christ. So I realize now that in this world, in this battle that we are in, because we are in a spiritual battle. Every single day. And I think because we forget that and we're in the ignorance of that, we can find ourselves trapped. I remember watching a video not long ago, and it was about a Marine coming out of a Jeep in Afghanistan. And it just showed him driving around with his other buddies. And as they drove around, they stopped in a regular neighborhood, almost in a corner of the city, if you would. And nonchalantly he gets out, gets out of the Jeep on the right side and just looks around very casually. And then boom, he gets shot. Hits the ground. Falls to the ground. The video that I was watching was a video being taken from a sniper of the enemy. And so he's on the ground and you can see him rolling to the left, rolling to the right. Then all of a sudden he pops up to his feet and he runs around the jeep and he gets behind the jeep. His armor saved him. He lived to tell another story for another day. But I can guarantee you that after that time he was more awakened to the fact that he was in war. And he was in a battle. And he was glad he had his armor on. Because he was prepared for that bullet of the enemy. See, you and I, when we've come to Christ, have put on the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 3 verse 27, For as many have been baptized in the Christ, have put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Have put on the Lord Jesus Christ. What does that mean? Well, it sounds very familiar because here in Ephesians, it says put on the whole armor of God. In Galatians, it says we have put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Turn to Romans chapter 13 really quick with me. Romans chapter 13. Paul, speaking to the church in Ephesus on this battle that we're talking about, he says this to the church of Rome. Chapter 13, verse 11. And do this, knowing the time, that now is high time to awake out of sleep. For now salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. So he tells the church in Ephesus to put on the armor of God. He tells the church in Rome 
The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but, notice, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its last. So, let me ask you a question. Is Jesus somebody you put on every day and then you take him off? Do you put them on in the morning and take them off at night because it's time for you to sleep and get wrath? Or do you put them on when you receive Him? See, you and I have put them on. Jesus Christ is the armor of God. He is our salvation. He is our righteousness. He is our peace. He's all of these things. He's a fullness of the armor of God. Because as many as have been baptized in the Christ have put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And putting on the armor of God enables us to realize one thing. That we walk in the power of His might, not our own. Paul said it this way. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. But it's Christ that lives in me. And the life I live in this body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me and gave Himself for me. Paul knew that anything that he was doing was generated by the power of God living within him. If you were to look at Paul and say, Paul, you're amazing, man. I've just seen the things that you've gone through and what you've done for the Lord and how you do it, how you've suffered persecution and you've been stoned and you've been incarcerated and all these things have taken place to you. He tell you, it's not I. It's Christ that lives in me. It's through the power of His resurrection that I'm able to live. He's my armor. He is the armor of God. See, for you and I, even as Paul gives this message, in Romans 13, he says, And do this, knowing the time that now is high time, awake out of sleep. I think the church is sleeping in a lot of ways. And things are just going by. We see things take place that are evil, unrighteous. And maybe sometimes we don't say anything. But I know that if we draw in this intimate relationship with Christ, He will enable us, empower us to be the lights that He called us to be. I'll tell you something that happened the other day. I still work, I labor, and uh, I've been cutting hair for 30 years. I never really talk about that part. But in the shop where I was at, I noticed that as I was finishing up with my client, to my left, the sky walks in. And he has kind of like a stretchy thing, and it looks like a donut on the top of his head. Ever seen those guys? You know what I'm talking about? Well, he had one of these things on. And I'm listening as I'm trying to finish what I'm doing here. And I've been working in this place for about 25 years. And I'm hearing this guy speak to this person, this woman, about asking her about a number. Asking her about something. 
And her gasping and going, oh, wow. And then asking her something else. And he was doing all this stuff on a piece of paper. Then what I figured in a couple minutes, after watching him, I said, this guy's doing some numerology stuff. And he's impressing her with this. And she's looking at this, and I'm finishing up what I'm doing. And as I finish up what I'm doing, um, my client says, you know, I'll be back. i got to go inside. And I said, cool. This client left. This person wasn't a believer. But my next client, um, that person was a believer, and we always fellowship and talk. So I knew that that person was sitting there and the other person was gone. And this guy has now been waiting for the person because the person he was talking to, I just walked out as well. And I looked over at him, I said, hey. And he looked at me. I said, you're not welcome here, man. What you're doing is of the devil. Jesus Christ, He reigns in this place. This is His place. We serve the Lord Jesus Christ here. This is Jesus' place. He reigns. He's God. What you are doing is satanic. It's of the devil. And he looked at me and goes, No, no. I love God. And I said, No. What you're doing is of the devil and you're not welcome here. I shared grace because I said, You know what? I'm only going to tell you one time. You better get out of here right now. And when he looked at me, I, he had this look of shock. He couldn't believe someone was standing up. And I told him, did you hear me? I told you, you're not welcome in this place. Jesus reigns here. He's the true God. What you believe is a lie. What you're doing are the works of the devil. And you're not welcome here. I'm going to tell you one more time. You're not welcome here. Get out of here. Okay, sir. Okay. And that's it. He bailed. And my client that was sitting there... She already knows how we are and how we need to stand. And she goes, she told me this, a woman. She goes, that's the problem with the church. And I said, what are you talking about? We don't stand up when evil's right in our face. And I said, wow, you're right. And that guy took off and he was outside. I hope I don't see him again because the gloves are on next time. No, I'm just kidding. But see, this righteous anger built up within me when I saw him. Because I said, here, 25 years serving the Lord, and this guy's going to come in here with his numerology mumbo-jumbo and try to press on and share what he wants to share, all this junk of the devil? No way. I'm not going to let it happen. But see, I realized something. I wasn't speaking in and of myself. It was the boldness of the Holy Spirit that enabled me to tell that guy straight up, you're the devil, get out of here, you're not welcome, leave now. It was only that. And I paused and I thought to myself, man, Lord, was I kind of mean to that guy? And I remembered that when the demons would come up in people and they would come to Jesus, Jesus, now there's son of God, be quiet. He'd shut them up, wouldn't he? See, we're in a time and age where evil is moving very fast. And a lot of wicked things are happening in our place in life. And each one of us in this room have been given an area to monitor, if you will, for the kingdom of God. 
God has entrusted you as a man to monitor your house. God has entrusted you as a man to monitor your marriage. God has entrusted you as a man to monitor your children. Your workplace. And He's giving you that place in that area of your life for His glory. But to win and be equipped is to realize that His divine power has given you all things pertaining to life and godliness. Peter said that. Turn to 2 Peter chapter 1 really quick. 2 Peter chapter 1. Notice this. Peter wrote this, chapter 1 verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. As His divine power, does it say, will give to you when you ask for it? What does it say? As His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. How do we know that? What does it say? Through the knowledge of Him. How you get to know Him? Through this sword of truth. Through the Word of God. Notice what He says. Through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. And notice, that through these you may be what? Partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust. See, to partake of the divine nature, escape the corruption that's in the world through lust. As a pastor, I talk to people in the church and people outside the church and people that are Christians and know I'm a pastor, come around and they want to talk. And I hear of so many guys that are not escaping. So many people in bondage. Within the church, addicted to steal drugs, pornography, alcoholism. These temples that are supposed to be holy for God, used by God as vessels for His glory, being preoccupied with things of the world and not escaping. So if they're not escaping, they're not partaking of the divine nature that this world needs to see in you and me. And that is Christ in you, your only hope of glory. See, the world needs to see that today. As men of God, you and I need to understand that we have a calling to lead, not mislead. What legacy will you and I leave as men? You know, you realize when you read the Bible, about two-thirds of people in the Bible, you'll read, in their latter years, Fail and fall hard in the relationship with God. We've been studying Second Samuel and we're looking at the life of David, how he made a big mistake of not going out when kings go out to battle and he stood home. Fifty years old, comfortable, relaxed, battled in many battles, been victorious. This time I'm just going to kick back. Let Joab do the work. Glances over to his neighbor's house and sees a woman bathing. 
And then begins the fall and the beginning of many evil and wicked things that would take place in his life because he got comfortable. A lot of times as Christians, we can get comfortable. I've been saved five years. I've been saved ten years. I've known the Lord thirty. I've known the Lord forty. And be in those times of your latter years where you begin to think it's time to relax now. Hint, hint, there's no retirement in Jesus Christ. None. God could use any person. It doesn't matter if you're young. It doesn't matter if you're old. What matters is, are you available for the power of God, His power to work in and through your life? It's not left to the younger people. It's left to any man that's willing to stand in that relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ to be a vessel for His glory. Are you willing to do that? I know, men, we make mistakes. I know marriage is tough. I know raising kids could be difficult. And I know sometimes things aren't as smooth in every family like you'd want them to be. But never let that change and silence who you are as a man of God. Because Christ lives in you. Unless indeed you're disqualified. But if He lives in you, you have the power of God. He is your armor. You are equipped. You are able to live out the life He's called you to do. See man, these things aren't a joke. This is a reality for us. If we're going to live out to be those men of God that God's called us to be, then you and I have to say, I want to make a stand. I want to not just come to church and just worship and when people are looking at me, do the right things. But when people aren't looking at me, I want to be doing the right things. When people don't see me, I want that intimacy with Jesus Christ. I want His power to reign within me. He's going to do that when you're humble. When you recognize without Him you can do nothing. Jesus said that. For without my Father I can do nothing. Jesus said, the words I speak unto you, I don't speak unto myself. He says His Father gave Him the words. He showed us how to live as men. He lived in total dependency upon His Father for everything He did, everything He said, everything He was. And He demonstrated to you and to I that we could live on dependency apart from Him. The way He said, without me you can do nothing. You and I have to say to ourselves and agree and say, Lord, I want to live a life that brings you honor, that brings you glory, but in humility. So I can submit to you. And in my submission to you, I'd be the man of God that you want me to be. This church is men of God like that. Men of God that don't need to be told all the time what to do. Men of God that are leading in humility, not in pride of position. Men of God who trust in the Lord, 
They'd look at other men and get excited to say, what can I do to disciple that person that just came in the church today? Men of God that look to their left, look to their right, and see themselves as a vessel and say, what can I do to encourage that brother? What can I do to pray for that brother? What can I do? So it becomes contagious in this church. So it's not just the pastor coming up here and trying to build everybody up. Because he's equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. And that's you. Man, this is your home church. Men of God, rise up. Men of God, be humble before God. Men of God, let Him use you mightily. See, the Lord wants to do that. But see, it's in the power and the strength of His might. Back to Ephesians really quick as we close. So when Paul was drawing everything to a close, I come back to the first verse that we read. In this portion of scripture. Finally my brethren. Be strong in the Lord. In the power of. His mind. You. And I. Can be strong in the Lord. But it's not in and of our own abilities. We have to die to self. Jesus. Humbled himself. He emptied himself. He made himself of no reputation. And he did that. And he demonstrated to us. That to us. We would see. A man dependent upon his father. So you and I could learn the same. That the power. That we read about in scripture. This dunamis power. This ability. It's God given. It's not man achieved. And when we realize that, we humble ourselves before our mighty God. And we say, Lord, I want to be that man of God that I've strived to be, but I haven't been able to. Because I've been doing it in and of my own self. You're my armor. You're my life. You're my strength. You're my power. You're my peace. You're my righteousness. You're the truth. Help me live in you, Lord. And I'll do it. Do you trust Him? Do you trust Him? Then live like you do. If you do. I trust Him. I want to live like I do. And see, that's what people need to see. Ask God to do that work in your life, personally. Whatever you may have thought of before and maybe you did have some special formula and some idea or maybe not. Maybe you've realized everything that we've been sharing today that, yeah, I agree with that. That's the way I live. Praise the Lord you live like that. But if you're one of the ones that are attempting to live out the Christian life and are kind of tired, burned out, 
Don't even know how long you're going to continue to live the way you do. You're failing at home. Marriage is messed up. Don't even know how to speak to your kids. And you want to be victorious in that area. And you say, man, I need help. That's how we grow when we're honest. See, you guys, it's not a machismo thing. We don't have to puff out our chest. We can be humble before each other and say, bro, I'm struggling. I need prayer. Can you pray for me? Bro, I'm not being the husband I should be. Can you pray for me? Lord, my kids, bro, my kids don't talk to me. I, I, I don't even know if I have the respect. Can you pray for me? I want to I stand up and be the father I should be. See, all these things we can do for each other. Just stay away from that four-letter word, fear. Because you get scared to ask people to pray. You think you're making yourself vulnerable. And they may not think of you as the way they should. If they do, that's their issue. You want prayer? We're going to pray. I'm going to ask you guys that need prayer. Come on up here to the front before we close. Whatever issue you may be going through. You know your lives. You know what you're going through as a man of God. You know what you're going through as a husband. You know what you're going through as a father. And maybe some of you are thinking, man, this is an area I need prayer. But it starts in humility. And you start in humility because you realize, I need it and I admit it. And I'm going to come up with prayer. We're going to pray right now. Anybody wants to come up, we're going to invite you to come on up right now. We're going to pray. Anybody wants to come up, we're going to pray. See, and it doesn't matter if you're in ministry. In ministry, you need more prayer than anybody else. Because you're in the forefront. Some people do that and they say, man... If I go up there, they already know the way I am. People are going to look at me and say, "Uh oh, where is he messing up at? See, the devil likes that, doesn't he? He wants to keep us in fear so that we won't ask for prayer. We won't ask for him to do work within our hearts. It's times like these that we say, you know what, we need to ask God. You guys embrace each other. Put your arms on each other's shoulder. You guys are a family of God. You're men of God. You're men of honor. You're men of valor. This is what you are. Identify yourselves as that. Don't see yourselves as weaklings in the weaker sense of the word. Weak in Christ, yes. Strengthen in Him, yes. But reckon yourselves dead to Christ. Humble to Him. Submitting to Him. Let's pray. Lord, we thank You for this day, Lord. We come before you recognizing, Lord, that we need you. Each one of us, Lord God, we're desperate for you, Jesus. Lord, we want to be the men that you have created us to be. We confess to you our failures, Lord. We confess to you our weaknesses. We confess to you our pride. We confess to you our hidden secrets of shame. And we ask you, Lord God, that you would release anyone here that's in bondage to anything that's not pleasing to you, Lord. 
No more hidden agendas, no more secrets, no more lies, no more deception. But Lord, I pray for every man that's come up here, Lord God, that you would allow them to realize, Lord, your great love for them and the power of your Holy Spirit to live in them and through them to grant them victory in the lives in the area that they're praying for right now, Lord Jesus. Touch us, Lord God. Holy Spirit, fall upon us, Lord. Enable us, Lord God, to be those men that bring glory to you. Bless these men, Lord. Touch these husbands that are up here, Lord God. Touch these fathers that are up here. Touch these single men that are up here, Lord. And Lord, bring them, Lord, to that intimacy with you. There'd be no lies, no deception, but just submission. Submitting to you, Jesus, for who you are. You're worthy, Lord, of our praise. You're worthy, Lord God, of glory, of honor. And you're worthy, Lord God, to dwell within these temples. That you would be glorified, that you'd be magnified. That you'd be lifted up in each one of our lives. Thank you Lord. For allowing us to come before you. Thank you Lord. That we know. That you love us Lord. And we set these things before you now. And we thank you Lord. And it's in Jesus name we pray. As we all said. Amen. Amen.